Well, today we're, we're jumping back into this series. Uh, we've been doing a series called The End. All right, so if you weren't here last week, you can go on to Spotify or, po- or the podcast app or on YouTube, and you can uh, kind of get caught up there. We did an intro, but today we're, uh, we're, jumping, we're jumping in, and I want to remind you, life is precious. Do you believe that? Life is important. God has given you this little drop in the bucket of time for a purpose. You were created on purpose for what? A purpose. I say it all the time, don't I? And we have this life, and there's a beginning, and there is the end of this physical life we have. And what we do between those that dash is very, very important. What we put first between that two dashes. Mine's 1984. There's a little bit of a dash, and then there's an end, right? I had my birthday yesterday. Thank you, guys, for all the words of encouragement. That was pretty awesome. My dad is here. Happy birthday to me. He flew in yesterday, so can we welcome my dad? His name is Doug. He is, he is also a pastor, so... I come from a long line of uh, sinners and pastors in my family. So, (laughs) anybody else? (laughs) The long line of sinners, right? But we have this life, and it's important. And what God gave us uh, is important, and how we deal with it. It says in James 14, uh, sorry, James 4, 14, it says, You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that happens for a little while and then, what, vanishes. It's important that time you have is a little while. First Peter 4, 7 says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. So a lot of what we're going through, most of what we're going through through this series is the book of Revelation. And Revelation or Apocalypse simply means a revealing or an unveiling. Jesus is opening the curtain so that we can see this revelation, so we can see what he's, what's going to happen in the end so that we can be ready and of sober mind. Amen? And so that's what we're going to be talking about for for several weeks. And if you weren't here last week, get caught up with that. But I'm going to start out today with something. um, There's two parts to the sermon. Is that okay? There's part one and part two, and we're going to try to get through it, all of it today. And so um, I want to read this, and I want us, because all throughout Revelation, you're all waiting for, like, the really extreme stuff in Revelation, right? You're like, I can't wait, Pastor Landon, till you get to the extreme stuff. But what I'm going to do is I want to I mark out three things today that we're going to learn all throughout this series, and we're going to hit on a little bit of it today. And then uh, the next part of the sermon today will be about where's your heart in this? What have you decided what side of the line will you find yourself on? So 1 Thessalonians speaks of this end times, and it starts in verse 4, starting in, uh, sorry, chapter 4, starting verse 13. It says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death 
so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Verse 15, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Let me pray for you today. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are speaking your word to us. And Lord, help me to get out of the way. And that, Lord, we would learn from you today. And you would grant, give us wisdom. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. So, I want to, I want to share three things um, that will give you hope today if you are a believer. If you're not a believer and you're here today, we're so glad that you're here. And we believe that God loves you. He created you. And uh, I believe by the end of today, he's going to challenge you to put him first in your life. And it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. So the first thing that we learn from 1 Thessalonians 4 is the return, the, uh, Christ is coming again. This is biblical. Yeah, you, it's, you can celebrate it. There's like three people. Right? So we're going to go through all these R's, and you can see all of them, but we're going to highlight the first one. It says, the return, Christ is coming again. Church, Jesus is coming back. You know that there's, there's more uh, prophecies about Christ's second coming than his first coming. He is returning. He will be back. And here's what it says in John 14, 3 to 4. It says, and if I go, this is Jesus telling the church, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And where is that? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there's the return. He's coming back. The second one is the rapture. Living Christians are taken away. So the word rapture is not found in Scripture. But there's an idea in Scripture of what the rapture is. It's a taking away. It's being caught up with the Lord. First Thessalonians, we just read it. First Thessalonians 4, 17 says this. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We talked about the cloud idea last Sunday, so you got to go back so you don't miss anything and listen to that. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And then the third one is this. So we have, we have what? The return, the rapture, and what? Help me with this one. The reunion. Amen? Have you ever been to a family reunion? Listen, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be so much better. 
You know, that weird uncle, um, he'll, prob- he'll be there, uh, but he won't be annoying anymore. Number three, the reunion. Christians will be with God forever. Amen. One day there will be a reunion so great, it will be for God's church. And in the word of God, uh, if you see the bride of Christ or the bridegroom, guess what? Guess who that is? The church. And so in Revelations 19.1, look what it says about you and about me. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb Amen. Amen? And then he added, these are the true words of God. Blessed are those who are invited. Guess how you get invited? You put Jesus first. You follow the the Lord, and you're invited. We're like, well, Pastor Landon, I did this wrong. I did this. I sinned here. I've totally failed. Guess what? You're in a great place. Right? Because we all have all have fallen short, but when we come to the Lord, he forgives us, he gives us his grace, and guess what? You're now invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. But first, we need to be ready. And guess what, church? I'm here to tell you some good news. It's not too late. It's not too late for you. Because you're here, you're breathing You've got blood pumping through your veins. It's not too late. And so here's the second part, and this part's going to be a little longer. We flip over to Revelation 2, and we're going to talk about this first church that Jesus has a message for. And it's the church at Ephesus. And here's the first part of the message. And hopefully you're writing some notes. If you have a way to do it on the back of your bulletin, there should be a spot for you to write notes. And here's Christ's message to the first church. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write this. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars. Remember we heard about this in Revelation 1, Jesus in the right hand, and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have uh, persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. All we're going to do is we're going to take four quotes, and we're going to talk about them that Jesus had. And the first one is this, I know your deeds. You know that God knows what you do, right? He knows, and I love that Jesus here is telling the church, hey, I know some good stuff you're doing, right? Have you ever started out a conversation, you're like, man, I got to talk to my friends, or a friend, or my kid, and I start out, hey, listen, you did this really well. <laughs> and then you're like, but what did I do wrong? And then you lay it out, but you could use some major help in this area of your life. 
I know your deeds. Jesus knew that this church did right things. They worked hard. They endured. They didn't tolerate wickedness. In this sense, the church at Ephesus was rock solid. The Ephesian church pursued uh, doctrinal purity. And at a point in Acts, Paul warns the Ephesian church, listen to this, and they took it to heart. Acts 20, even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. The The church today, like the Ephesian church then, must vigorously test those who claim to be messengers from the Lord. We have to be careful who stands up here, who's speaking, or leading a small group, or whatever it is. We have to be on our guard, because some are not in it for the right thing. Don't you love our church? We get to have people who love the Lord, who pray and speak the truth. Amen? I know your deeds. I know your works. I know what you're doing. You know, I love that we're part of a church. We, we have a church that serves well, right? You know there's people here every Sunday at 8 a.m. getting ready for when you come who are turning stuff on and playing music and making sure the air is on. Don't, aren't you happy that the church is cool this morning? We keep it cool so you don't fall asleep during the sermons, especially on this side. Right now, we have a little issue with this AC. We'll let you know a little bit more about it, but that's why we try to keep that on quite a bit. But aren't you happy that you're part of a church with good deeds? I think Jesus would say that, hey, you're doing a good job. Wait, but what's next? What's part two? So let's look at the next few verses. Revelation 2 four to seven says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove the lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He doesn't hate them. He hates the practices. Hear that right. Verse 7, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So we're going to take a couple quotes here from the Lord. And you know what? I love that Jesus is, he's not yelling this at the church. He's not yelling this at you today. He's saying it with with full love for the people that he loves. You know that Jesus loves the church. I don't mean this building. He loves you, the people of God. Amen? And he's saying this with all love in his heart for you. In this number two, it says here, write this down, you have forsaken your first love. Imagine the moment you hear this, or the Lord speaks this to you, or to this church. 
You know what is right. You work hard. In all appearances, you're doing great. But what I want to call it, the Martha syndrome is taking over your life. You're busy about all the work. You're doing all of this. But you forget to sit at the feet of Jesus. And he is who it's all about. But you're missing, this church was missing, maybe some of us are missing the mark drastically on our personal relationship with the Lord. You get saved and baptized You're on fire for Jesus. You're reading your Bible every day. You're telling everybody about the Lord. You've got the Joy FM on. And then slowly, the work that you're doing or the ministry you're doing is taking away from your personal relationship with Jesus. You're like, yeah, but I'm doing good stuff. Jesus wants to have a deep and sincere relationship with you. I think sometimes my mom mentioned this to me one time. It is not biblical, but I thought about this before where, you know, when we tithe, we give, the Bible speaks about giving um, 10% off the top, right? It's the first fruits, And that's very biblical. That part is very biblical. My mom said, what about if it was like that with our time um, and our talents that we have? What if at the top, like in the very beginning of the day, we give our time and attention to the Lord? People are like, well, I don't have any time for that. What if you had more time because you spent time with Jesus? What if you had more to give when you tithed because you can go longer with 90% than 100% on your own. Just an idea. We learned that the end is near, that the rapture could take place at any moment. Some people are like, well, no, Pastor Landon. Listen, I'm very, uh, um, I'm, I'm very convinced that, that this is the whole truth and not the, but the truth. And the rapture could take place at any moment. And the church needs to be ready. And how do we get ready? We have a relationship with Jesus. Amen? The Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, all your mind, your strength. I love that the word all is there. Everything that you're about should love the Lord. Everything you're doing. I think a lot of times as Christians in America, we compartmentalize our life. Okay, Sunday's for Jesus. Monday's a me day. Saturday is Target day. And Chick-fil-A. Thursday to Friday, listen, that's for work. And then Sunday back again, it's Jesus Day. Listen, as believers, every day is Jesus Day. Amen? It's not just Sunday. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
Even Chick-fil-A agrees with that. All right, so number three, where are we here? Okay, number two, you've forsaken your first love. Number three, consider how far you have fallen. Jesus is asking the church at Ephesus to consider or to remember where they came from, what they were doing. And not in a bad way. He's like, look back at the great things you did. Look back at your devotion that you had for me. Look back at your Bible reading plan you did two years ago. You read the whole Bible two years ago. This year you read three verses. Remember, the first step in restoration for the Ephesian church is for them to remember where they started. Well, you started out so well. Look how far you've fallen. This means remembering where they used to be in their love and relationship with the Lord and each other as the church. How about us? Listen, looking back isn't always a bad thing. All right, I've, I've gone back through old Bibles before. When I was a teenager, like, oh, I was memorizing this. I was writing these notes in my Bible. And I'm like, wow, look, look what God did then. Look how devoted to the Lord I was then. And Jesus is saying, look how far you have fallen. And maybe he's not speaking directly to you today. But he, he was speaking this to the church at Ephesus. And he possibly could be speaking this to you. Remember during worship, you used to be so involved. Remember. When the prodigal son was in the pig pen, you remember this story? Guess what he started remembering? How great it was at dad's house. Right? He's in the pig pen. He's like, I long to just eat the food that the pigs eat. He's gone so far away. But then guess what came to mind? Remember the food that was at dad's place? Remember what I had there. What if I could just go back? I could even just be a, a servant in his household. And then on his way back, his father sees him from far away, and he runs out to him and says, Welcome home. Put a ring on his finger. Put a robe on him. Kill the fatted calf. My son is home. He was lost, and now he's what? Found. You can always go home. Until a point. There'll be a moment in time where you will not be able to return. And I don't know how it all works. But I do know when we breathe our last breath, that's it. And the end is near. The end is coming. And we have a decision to make. Look how far you've fallen. Revelation depicts such a lack of passion and devotion to Christ is having fallen spiritually. And here's the last one today. So the third one was consider how far you have fallen. Don't you love that Jesus gives us away? We, we sang that in the song. I don't know who's coming up, but whoever's coming up. But I don't know if you remember in the song we, we sang today. But he always gives us a way. 
And look what it says in the fourth one today. It says this. His, it's quoted by him. Number four, repent and do the things you did at first. Church at Ephesus, repent and do the things you did at first. Maybe you're looking and looking over your life. Say, am I closer to Jesus today or 10 years ago? Have I fallen or am I getting closer and closer to the Lord? How is my devotion to the Lord? This is a serious enough offense that Jesus is telling the church, repent. To repent doesn't mean to feel sorry. Well, I feel bad. I, I kind of messed up that thing. It doesn't mean that. Or to really feel anything. It means to change your direction. To go a different way. The way you're going isn't working, church at Ephesus. The way you're going, Joe, I don't know if there's a Joe in here. Forgive me if there is. The way you're going, Joe, is not the right way. Change your direction. It's an urgent appeal to for instant change of attitude and conduct before it's too late. A change in direction, a call to repentance from the, a loving God who has something great for his people, his church. Amen? Repentance is to turn away from sin and turn to God. Jesus doesn't just say to the church, repent, but he comes at it and he says, and do the things you used to do. Remember our times together? Do that. Jesus is asking the church at Ephesus, it's time to get back to the basics. Maybe he's saying to New Hope Church, hey, it's time to get back to the basics. Read your word. Spend time in prayer. Put God first. Man, remember mom and dad when we used to pray at the table and we prayed before bed, we did devotions. We don't even do that anymore. It's time to go back. It's to rem remember what we used to do and go back to that. Remember. The church at Ephesus, the, in the city of Ephesus, is similar to America today. The place was full of all sorts of immorality, love of self, and so many more things. And what was happening in that church is people were getting pulled away to the things of the world. And today, I believe that's happening here in America, where we're getting pulled away to the things of the world. And Jesus says, repent, come on back. Revelation 2, and the next part of verse 5 says, if you do not repent, look at this, I will come to you and remove your lampstand 
from its place. So the lampstand represented, there were seven of them. It represented their part in the kingdom. He said, I will remove that. You will not be part of the kingdom. Good news, Jesus says when we repent, he will restore you. He won't take that from you. And it's not too late. Can we stand before we go today? Maybe today God's speaking to you to repent. Right? Doesn't have to be a big, even a big emotional thing. It's just you're saying, God, I repent. I turn from where I was going and I turn toward you. I'm going to go back to what worked. And that's my relationship with you. And I would like it to grow. If you want to pray with me about that today, could you just raise your hand all over the place? I think there's a lot of us. Lord, we repent today. Lord, we turn from our ways, our wicked ways, and we directly put you into the number one seat of our life. That we put you first. And we return. We return to you. We return to our relationship with you. In the word it says, Revelation 2.17, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Look this way. It says, when we do what God's calling us to do, You'll eat from that tree. What's that mean? You'll have eternity in heaven with Jesus forever. Amen. So I have one more invite for you. If you've never followed Christ today, um, we'll have some people up front here. If you want to come and pray with them, they'd be happy to to pray with you. And we have a, a book called The Purple Book. It literally just helps you walk through um, the gospel. It, it helps you do your devotions. Um, I know someone a couple years ago that got saved. They went through the purple book. And uh, so um, they'll be up front here. If you say, I want to follow Jesus, would you come meet with them? They'd love to walk you through that and pray with you. And uh, we've got one last little thing from Pastor Brianna. We love you. We'll see you soon. <laughs>